0: We've been bombing cities every day and every night all over the U.S., only people never know it. You found the real war project. This is Batch 2, Episode 3, we watched 1955's Strategic Air Command.
1: This podcast contains explicit language and plot spoilers.
0: I think of the
1: time we had The moment's truer. Now it won't last I don't want to wave goodbye Shout out a thousand times.
0: Hi, Charles. Hi, Aaron. This movie was a horrifying delight is what i'm gonna say um <laughs> yes what what are, what are we what are your thoughts you picked this movie what's going on with this movie why 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 why
1: oh well um so we started this group with dr strange love which i had just picked because of um because we did paths of glory for our first episode so i just wanted to do another of the same director to see what that's like yeah um and then, as we were talking about Doctor Strange Love, my initial thought of just doing like a pairing of another Ed Zwick movie, I was like, "We got to continue this conversation, yeah, because I know that there is a movie that exists that's actually pretty good that yeah. I like. Um, it is good. dare I say love. I think it's in it's in my top one hundred movies easily. Fail safe,
0: yeah, really well made movie, mm-hmm. and and generated mm-hmm. a really fascinating conversation. I think about the, the differences in terms of trying to make an anti-war movie between like a satirical approach and a kind of like straight up approach, right? Like, yeah, that was a fun conversation. Okay.
1: And both movies, as we were talking about them, obviously have the villain of the war machinery. Yeah, that no one can control and no one is that responsible nobody can control. For. <laughs> and that villain is, in both of the movies, the strategic air command. And I knew that there was this movie Mm -hmm. just, and I feel like I might have actually seen it as a kid, but none of it sat with me because I think without watching these two movies and going into this kind of like with the idea of looking into how it sits with other films, Uh it wouldn't be very, if I I didn't take the Walter Metz approach, (laughs) I don't think it would be as interesting to me. I would be like, this is a boring freaking war movie. Yeah. This is a military movie that is super boring to me. It and, is so clearly um, propaganda.
0: It is yes, just so too. over the top in terms of its love affair with Technicolor and selling you these bombers. And uh,
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, but going into it with this project and with this grouping and knowing that it comes like nine years before both of these movies. Yeah it's um it became kind of a delight to watch yeah yeah
0: yeah that's a real similar response to to what i had i i said the same thing to kate if i was just watching this movie for a weekend i would be pretty upset with my decision about how i'm spending <laughs> my time because it's too long and it's not good um but it is good in a lot of ways if you're a jimmy stewart fan which i am he's just as precious as always and it works weird in this movie i'm like is he today's tom hanks i don't know like 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 he is such a weird lovable person and to see him in a war movie such a a, a harmless war movie especially is so very him and you can, and it, it's what makes the propaganda so sweet. It's like propaganda is supposed to be like saccharine sweet. You get it? You, you just want to eat it. And I could just watch him forever. I have, a th- I have a theory, Charles. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone has an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Do you have an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice
1: that you do? Get to the chopper.
0: Okay. What else would you yeah. say as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is there anything else?
1: Um, get down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Benny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we like to say, obviously we say, get to the chopper, get get down, and then I like to be like, get down some more, get down again, get to the chopper some more, <laughs> because we have to get to the chopper. Okay, I think that people that like Jimmy Stewart also have a Jimmy Stewart voice. Do you have a Jimmy Stewart voice, Charles? And if so, what, is, what does he say? How does it go?
1: I just start kind of doing it on knots like that. It's like Jimmy Stewart sounds like a younger extreme old man voice where you have the shaky voice, except you're just younger.
0: How would he say get to the chopper or get down? Do you think
1: it would say uh, Sally, get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, he- it would be preceded with Sally. Yeah, you want to hear mine? Yes, please. It
0: just comes straight from Harvey. Obviously, I'm pretty limited, but 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 it oh, does yeah. exist. No, yeah, and I just it. need you to pretend like you're a waiter and be like, um, you know, like, can I get something for you, or what can what can I do to, for
1: you? Uh, hey, welcome to uh to Bennigan's. Is there anything I can start you off with?
0: Well, what'd you have in mind? <laughs> That's it. Uh,
1: he just he's so like yeah. Oh, well, well, I just oh well,
0: golly, I just gee, he's oh wow. He's he's oh, gee. He's so like... Is he almost like a Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum, yeah, except he's smart and arrogant. And Jimmy Stewart is never arrogant, mm. is he? He's never a dick.
1: Mm. Right? Really,
0: he no. is always lovable. He's like Mr. Rogers. He's a lot, except he's not a kid's actor. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain this guy. Just Mr. Smith goes to Washington Harvey. And this is like my catalog for Jimmy Stewart. And yes, like, um, it's a wonderful life. Of course, uh, wings and angels and all this, but like, I don't know how to explain the guy. He is very 1950s. He's like the softest version of dad. You can imagine. And now he is the third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. And until the strategic air command shows up and says, you signed a certain kind of thing that means very much like the cardinals we own you except more so than the cardinals and so um yeah you're going to come play baseball for uncle sam for a little bit basically
1: yes so so i was wondering um is there a reason why they picked the st louis yeah, cardinals i think so and is that because of the spirit of st louis movie oh i
0: don't know anything about that i mean maybe that, that i mean there you go the name spirit of st louis right there right so so St. Louis is mythical, obviously, in the United States imaginary on um, the archway there that we put is supposed to be very symbolic of manifest destiny in and of itself, not only in, far, in terms of like where it is placed, but also in terms of the language that it explains. Right. This is the, the archway to the West. We're just going to keep right on going through this thing here. And all the folks on the other side are like, wait, what you're going to do what? And um, we did. And you also see it, um like especially in the baseball imaginary, like the Cardinals are a very, very old team. They're historically a pretty good team. Um, they're a very American team it makes sense that he plays for St. Louis you know there's a lot of teams he could play for but the dude's not a Yankee Mm -mm, that because that would be arrogant you get it and so he is a St. Louis Cardinal and that makes him pretty lovable that makes him a a pretty good third baseman if he's playing for the Cardinals he's no slouch he's getting that 70k contract you know so like it's Perfect. And again, it's like it's the way that propaganda is supposed to be made, which is just delicious. It opens. Where else do you want to be on a ballpark? Ladies and gentlemen, here we are playing baseball.
1: (laughs) I, um, I don't know that much really about baseball. So, so I didn't have really bad, um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You're trying to find a new sport to get into that doesn't cause...
0: Chronic um, traumatic encephalopathy to the youth. Yes, exactly. Which is what American mm-hmm, football mm-hmm. does. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Good point.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you're welcome.
0: Here's my question because baseball is famous in that it has it has two imaginaries. It's the American imaginary, but half of America think it's, thinks it's boring. And in the 50s, you had a better chance of this hitting. But when it opens on a ballpark, are you bored or are you like happy to be on a, at a ballpark?
1: I think to a certain extent, um, I have, like, the, uh, the Sandlot Mm -hmm. kind of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Like, when I think of baseball, I think of the Sandlot. And I think of, um, and I think of a league of their own. And I think of, um what other and there's there's two others i think of the cornfield one yeah uh, field Field of dreams Dreams. and i think of the natural with robert redford with the uh with like the the light shattering and exploding in slow motion and the
0: i've wanted to do a sports movie project there's there's just so much
1: there's so much but all of them are i feel like either of that era or nostalgic for that era
0: Of the 50s. Like
1: Field of Dreams is nostalgic for the 50s, and the Sandlot takes place in the 50s. Well, the baseball itself
0: as a sport is emphatically in love with its past, and all sports are, but they don't wear it the same way, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Like NFL players are not dressing on purpose like they used to dress. They just don't do that. Super
1: short shorts. (laughs) I love it.
0: Yeah. Same with the NBA. So it is nostalgic for you. It brings you back to a happy place of bygone days, just outside playing. Like all of the places that you've mentioned and all of the movies that you've mentioned, I think leave us with a pretty good feeling about the sport and about the place and about the people that play it, right? Like, is that safe to say that baseball mm-hmm. has crafted a fairly like...
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. That, it, that it instills a, a nostalgia there. for a... And I think that that just the culture around baseball, if you think about it as a a common gathering place in a green field, sometimes in the middle of a city, that people could get together in when they don't normally have a green space to hang around in, aside from a cemetery.
0: Famously invented during the American Civil War as an explicit response to cricket. It is a deeply American passion that has a a, a huge imaginary in our country. And I like that you're pairing it with like within the city and also within the country. You can be in a cornfield playing baseball. You can be in like St. Louis playing baseball. You get it. It's like it, it goes absolutely everywhere. And this movie interrupts American living with nuclear war in the gentlest way possible all the way throughout. Like, that's (laughs) my story. I I tell my students that the Apollo program, John F. Kennedy, which I am like madly in love with the whole rhetoric of all of this, is basically a country that is – and this is like 1969 is when all that's happening. So about 10 years from the time this movie is made. But there's a similar project that's going on here, which is like, we used to be isolationist. We don't want to have any kind of central military. If you remember, uh, the Articles of Confederation were toothless on purpose because we fear centralized military. Well, that was a long time ago. World War II is over now. The military industrial complex has created thermonuclear warfare on the scale that no one can even imagine. And we need to find a way to make America okay with that. So one way we're going to do it is we're going to make these big rockets, but not so much to bomb the Soviets, although we are racing them. We're going to go to the moon. We're going to go to the moon. We're going to bring back rocks. One small step for humanity. You get it? Like, oh, it's great for everybody. This movie is the same project. It is like, so listen, we might accidentally incinerate everyone on Earth, and that'd be a pretty terrible thing if that happened, but nothing is fucked, and we don't want you to freak out. You need to trust us right now, and most importantly, drop everything you're doing and support us right now. You get it? Like... And interrupting baseball is a perfect way to do that. It's perfect. And they interrupt the family. They just blow up this guy's career. They blow up this guy's marriage. And at the end of the movie, I suppose we're supposed to... He's like... Well, it was I can't wait to see those next birds in the sky. I can't wait to
1: oh what the fuck mm-hmm. that... no, I have a lot to say about about it was th- it was a completely bonkers like reaction from from him. part of it is what you said. I think part of it is like a little nod. I wonder when Spirit of Saint. Louis came out.
0: I'll find that. you keep saying what you're saying,
1: okay, so if you play I think the Walter Metz game. In your in your head, then what happens is that you also say it's like, oh, he's also really famous for this movie where he played Charles Lindbergh,
0: nineteen fifty-seven.
1: 1957. Oh, 1957. oh, so after two years this. after
0: this movie.
1: Holy yeah. shit! So that wouldn't even actually work. Harvey was so nineteen fifty. My theory is,
0: <laughs> sorry, wow. what's your theory? Work it backwards.
1: Well, because there is also this. There's also, I think, that connection to aviation connection in the, in the, the mindset of, of Americans because of, because of that legendary, um, airplane. But then there's also like this, we also know and knew at the time that Charles Lindbergh was a fascist Mm -hmm. and, um, and that he had like some pretty like awful reprehensible, Um, Viewpoints, um, despite being a great aviator, very American in this regard, (laughs) right? And so, and so, I wonder if there. I mean, does the movie have? And although it it may overwhelmingly veer in the other direction, does the movie have like secret leftism in it? Is there some liberal bullshit that snuck its way into my war movie? This movie. Yes. where? That's what I'm – that's always going to be my question, I think, in any of these. Despite the fact that that it later on undermines it, does it make a ton of super valid points constantly throughout the movie against what the other overwhelming point is?
0: I hear this, and I think it's interesting because – you know,
1: And I'm not saying that it succeeds, no. but I'm saying like, it seems at times that Sally versus General Hawks, which is like a pretty good yeah. name for a guy that like is going to become a General Ripper. Right. You know? He's like a hawk. He's literally a hawk.
0: Sucking like, on a cigar all the time like General Ripper. chomping on cigars. Yeah, Kate and I at the Alien Movie Project talk about how cigars are spreading. Cigars spread. <laughs> That's what they do they spread out they they yes. take space and they show they show freedom they show that i don't give a shit what you think i'm going to smoke a huge fucking cigar right now
1: <laughs> right <laughs> i wonder or is it only because of our Point of view coming from the future it's, yeah, right. Where, where, like, that's, where we're like Sally has All the good points and this guy Seems like a fucking asshole That's where
0: I'm, I'm stuck And I think it's a great question and we talk a lot About what we call the dominant read And the resistant read in media And it's no secret a lot of people In the movie theater are cheering for the alien As it bursts its way out of the astronaut's Chest like this isn't you know m- Like groundbreaking Theory it's just that one of the fun things About communication is that it's poly Different people will understand it differently. And and the base vocabulary may be the same, but I say the valence or the orientation of that vocabulary can be totally different. And so whereas you know we want to make a, a a war propaganda movie where everyone loves the soldier and wants to join the soldier i always say that the the beginning of the department of communication in fact is the united states military saying we want to sell the war and academics saying which war and they're like doesn't matter just help us do it and we came back and we're like we can't do that and they're like why not and it's like well because every time we make a hero he ends up looking like a fascist to a bunch of americans this country has a deep Th- they will understand hero fascism, and they'll understand soldier marching towards victory and you know honor, but they're going to valence those very different ways. And this movie sets that up really well. It's it's grim in the way that it kind of takes everything away from him. And in my mind, what I'm reading is that the movie is telling us you have to, like I said at the beginning, you have to drop it all, and you have to be happy about it. But Jimmy Stewart has never... He he goes from being unhappy about it to just being so thrilled that he's in the plane and so in love with the plane.
1: Here's my. OK, yeah. Bef- the okay, fetishization let's, let's... of technology
0: is just over the top in this one for sure. Go ahead.
1: OK, here, here are my two questions. But let's And then let's go through yeah, this right? because I think we're going to I think this this is going to come up a bunch. My my two questions are, and I think this question should just go through all of the movies, is that is there some liberal bullshit, bullshit. in my war movie? It's um, in there. And also I think. Yeah. And then also, um Is this a movie about addiction? To airplanes <laughs> Addiction. At some point Jimmy Stewart comes home and he's rocking in his chair and he can't wait to get back up in the plane and his wife cannot connect with him it's a
0: really interesting point charles
2: you don't look like you slept very much either uh,
3: i did fly the airplane most of the night with a lot of help in this outfit everybody flies from general hawks on down
2: in other words then you're going to fly a lot of missions like this one
3: i don't know any other way to do it
2: well that's a happy prospect
3: Especially if I find out too late I'm in over my head. Maybe I'd better quit right now. Honey, you know, I used to think the old B-24 was a lot of airplane. Do you realize that one B-36 with an A-bomb can do the job of a thousand World War II bombers and ten thousand crew members? Now, just think of the responsibility that places on everybody that even goes near one of these airplanes. I've never heard you
2: talk like that
3: before. I've never come up against anything like this before.
2: Well, neither have I for that
0: matter. There's a lot in that. I think you're right. Again, we talked about the six tropes of the American War story, and one of the most substantial we have said is the fetishization of weapons technology, and this movie is all about that fetishization. It is in technicolor and paid for with a U.S. tax dollar. Every time those airplanes are in the sky in those sweeping shots, I'm like, look at all those tax dollars coming out of the back of those engines. Like That's what those plumes are, ladies and gentlemen. Those could have been elementary schools, but they are instead... (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful plumes amongst the clouds. He's hooked on these planes, and he says it the whole time. He can't. He doesn't want to go back into the old crappy plane, but he loves it. He starts this movie being the old curmudgeon, being like, "Oh, these newfangled planes, I can't understand it." But then, like, like literally, like snap cut to him being like, "This is the best thing in the world, and I'm landing it, no problem, and I can't wait to fly the next one." Addiction, dude, to war (laughs) and to planes. Very American. I love it.
1: So, yep. Yeah, so here we go. We have Anthony Mann, Strategic Air Command. It starts off, um, acknowledging to the set, to the uh, Strategic Air Command, whose cooperation is greatly acknowledged. And sits- I love all of these. Text um, things in all three of these yeah. movies. As
0: yeah, fun. all three of these movies have to have the big bold disclaimer at the front. That's like, listen. So, thermonuclear war, and here's what the Department of Defense says about us making this movie. <laughs> um, it's funny too that I noticed that this movie, this this, um, it scrolls up and it spends a lot of time sitting at the bottom talking about how this movie is also acknowledging and dedicated to the people that the men who will grow up to fill their shoes. This movie is an explicit <laughs> recruitment piece, and the here music into a forever war. Exactly right. And and they and they spend the whole time acknowledging there's not enough good men. We don't have enough good men. There's not enough good men. Well, maybe it's because it's a terrible idea. That could be one of the reasons. But anyway, yep. I told you this movie's Top Gun, and I do. I think it is. I think it'd be really fascinating to watch this movie against Top Gun directly, because I feel like they're talking to each other in explicit ways, except obviously Top Gun has like the 80s steroids, everything's amazing right. treatment.
1: So, right. <laughs> like, and I think Top Gun. This is my other thing that I was texting you about. I think Top Gun would have been is aimed at trying to get some some little beef, some young hunks and beefcakes, right? Um, um, into the uh, into the the pilot seat. While well, this movie is trying to also explicitly recruit experienced B twenty nine pilots right. to fill shoes. <laughs> it's like it's not only like making a movie that makes you think. Oh, I want to join that. Yeah. It's saying, "Hey man, if you drop all of your stuff right now, this is what waits for you and yeah. these are the kind of the administrative steps that you have to go through right. to do this." And look at and Jimmy they Stewart show doing it, 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 it to you.
0: Don't you want to be yeah. like Jimmy
1: Stewart? A, oh my god, it feels like the video I got when I was <laughs> recruited into the, the military. <laughs> um yeah. so so there we have a uh, Sally and we have um was it Tom? In yeah. the uh, in the stands, and they're watching that Brewster kid, and he's looking sharp. Yeah. Um, there's a loud-ass bomber flyover. Yep. Um, Jimmy Stewart is standing in the field. He's um, stroking a baseball bat like it's a wiener, and then he looks up well. in the air, and he sees the bomber, and he kind of frowns looking back down at the bat. Well,
0: see, I can <laughs> I may have missed the bat play in this scene, but I definitely saw him look up and and see it go by, and I thought it was kind of gazing in wonder and awe. I said he would be shortstop, which is like your classic clutch-like baseball player. He's, in fact, third base, which they call the hot corner. It's where you need someone who can make good decisions and act quick. So, you know, it makes sense, too. That's a good fit. And, yeah, right away, they're like, look at this big plane going overhead. Like. Kind of like you said. Everywhere there's a baseball field, there's also going to be a bomber in the sky. It's apparently what we're learning right away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Starting that, uh, starting the um, that trend of just uh, of war, war power flyovers of our sporting events. Yeah. Um, we learned that uh, General Rusty Castle is coming up here. He he shows up. Um, we learn a few things with uh, with these people. We learned that um. That he is making seventy k a year playing for this baseball team,
0: is it a year a or was that money? just his contract? They said he signed a seventy k contract, and I was like, over how many years That was my question.
1: thirty was- years, oh man, so it's actually not very good <laughs> yeah.
0: someone on IMDB <laughs> said it means he's making three hundred and sixty k a year, which would put him well below the a rate by today's standards. but if you're an an a player at third base, you're making well over a million dollars in major league baseball but
1: Right. Yeah, I have the feeling like how old is he? Maybe baseball hasn't gotten insane yet. I um How I old mean, is he? I think if I mean, how old were pilots in World War II? You know, so they're like flying at like twenty-five years old. So right, and they're out by their thirties. I think they put in a in lot of his gray in his 50. hair for
0: late thirty. It was my thing. Like,
1: well, some people just Clooney it up. You it's know? true.
0: Yeah. So he's got to be mid yeah. to late thirties is kind of what they're playing because he's I, only got I'm a couple thinking. years left in baseball, so that would be like the peak of his career there. Okay, mm-hmm. all right.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's going on. Okay. Um, Strokes uh, his baseball yeah. bat. Oh, we get a uh, we get a, a big question here, like sack. what's sack? And um, and then we we have a, a character just tell the audience in some <laughs> great detail what what strategic <laughs> air command is. <laughs>
0: Why, that's a great question. Funny you should ask.
1: (gasps) (laughs) Strategic air command is the only thing keeping us safe. We might not be at war, but we're at a war, kind of. Yeah. Um, National
0: security primacy is supreme. We need the preponderance of power, vigilance, and surveillance. We need corporations to keep the economic progress going. We need economic growth. We need patriarchy. Do you understand? We need constitutional process, a strong civic culture. Civic culture. There's baseball
1: we need men like Dutch. Mm -hmm. And then you and the audience are supposed to see him and be like, well, I'm like Dutch. I'm like Dutch. I love Dutch. He's not Tom Hanks. (laughs) Tom
0: Hanks is way tougher than Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart's never cast away. Is he like, he's not hitting the
1: beaches at Omaha. He's making this movie. Like, who is he? He's like, is there even an equivalent? Is Mister Rogers? Although the doesn't we Jimmy get? Stewart have real world? I don't know. I didn't really look. Oh, he into did. It. No, he, he was a like colonel.
0: He's a he's a legit colonel in the Air Force. Yeah, there's a bunch on that. Dude was yeah. in the ranks and made his way up and flew for the war and all. That's why he looks so good in that uni.
1: Mm, mm. I mean, it seems like being six three. I did look that up. It yeah. Seems like being 6'3", would just be a pain in the ass. It'd be bad for a bomber back then. person. Yeah. yeah I yeah. I mean, the like planes are big,
0: would... but they're not exactly spacious. <laughs> for the people uh, inside although
1: i mean we learned that a lot of people you can fit a lot of people down there it's the- <laughs> in the airplane um let's You'd keep quite going Quite the here. party in that <laughs> um we learned that uh yeah he's gonna get called in 20 months 21 months of active duty and that he's only got Ouch. a few good years left in baseball
0: 21 and
1: months. uh yeah. yeah he learns this at a party and he's pretty upset about it <laughs> And um he goes Walter to tell Sally, downstairs
0: telling a story about how we're just going to totally vaporize all of Europe. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody's just like completely completely eating it Jimmy's up. Want a Sally's neighbors just, just getting totally horned up. Um Sally already <laughs> knows this because Tom told her. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, they're constantly telling each other each other's news. And this is because they're so madly in love with each other that they already know what the other person is going to say, I think. They're like really playing up the fact that these two are like super married. And and they've been in they've been married in three other movies, apparently June Allison has played Jimmy Stewart's wife in three movies and this was the third time she'd done that, apparently.
1: One of them is The Glenn Miller Story, which I have not seen, but Glenn Miller like famously died in a plane crash going to like a USO show and when- world war ii
0: oh interesting interesting so that's like lurking in the background if you're a fan of these folks when you've seen this movie is that he's already died in a plane crash right and she was sad about that
1: yeah maybe that's what's probably going on is that the whole time it's like watching fast (laughs) seven exactly that's exactly
0: my point yes let's listen to the rest of fast seven go ahead
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: let's sample that yeah yeah (laughs) um um, so they're at a housewarming party and, um, and he's like, dang, you know, you just got this house yeah. all set up and then we're moving again. And I was thinking these people that, I mean, not boomers, I guess, pre boom proto-boomers, um, man, I felt like they play fast and loose with houses. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, the house is like it cost like eighty seven fifty back then, which by today's dollars is nine hundred and forty eight bucks. <laughs> That's how much that house cost that they bought. I mean, he bought it on an Air Force salary, right? So it can't be like. I mean, you know, um, it's um, interesting to and- me that he's reluctant and everyone else is for it. the The manager, the baseball manager, is bummed, but he's like, "What can I do?" He's pretty pissed off. The general's like, "Sorry, I know you're sad, but this is what you got to do." And his wife is like, "I don't care. I'll drop this house. We can go wherever you want, and I'll be an Air Force wife." You get it? Like
1: everyone is behind. Maybe it. she's like twenty-one. Maybe she's gritting her teeth and she's just like being like making the most months. of it. We're going to get the hell out of here. Are and, they playing her? Uh, as naive, back to this like supporting
0: stuff. because she comes off pretty unhappy about it at the end, like you said. Like he cannot connect with her at the end.
1: Well, yeah, but but she. But she knows that he's like like when he turns down, I think going back to the baseball even after his like hitch is done. Mm-hmm. I think that's like what the hell? I don't wanna do this. I never mm-hmm. see you. Like it's just like I think you see I don't know, like well, let's keep going here.
0: You pointed um, out there's he, an earnings difference and like a threat difference, but I do think it is very funny that by the end of this movie she's sad that he's like gone all the time and traveling when his other job is professional baseball player. Those people travel constantly. They travel constantly. You play like a hundred and sixty two games of baseball, and most of those are on the road. You get like half of those are on the road more than I don't even know they're constantly traveling. It's just quirky
1: it's just way safer right it's yeah, true as we learned in this movie it's There's way some safer tough
0: landings and
1: <laughs> I don't know yeah, f- for no reason,
0: yeah total unnecessarily tough landing.
1: it's just to just it's just to waste money
0: i love that the text you sent me that all like the third act of this movie basically exists so that pilots in the audience can be like damn that was a hard landing <laughs> that's it
1: that's, like, that's totally it.
0: that's that's the epic end of the movie overcome moment <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um. So he's just been called back in, and then he gets back to the. He goes to the Air Force to like check in, and he's in a suit, and he just gets hassled by everybody at the front gate because one time a man with an orangutan on his ID snuck in, and everybody had to do push-ups and stuff. And why it's doesn't like, he have
0: a uniform? Why doesn't he have a uniform? That's a thing in the like military, it's been- right?
1: That's what I'm. I, I'm constantly confused as to as to what's going on because he says that he's in the reserves, right? And that's okay. why he got picked up. Yeah. But is he like in the inactive ready reserve sort of thing that like everybody is kind of in, technically, when they get out of their enlistment? But you know, it normally,
0: I was hoping you could I clear this up, dude. I don't. F- I
1: did, I had no idea. I was super confused as he to doesn't what have was an ID. On.
0: He does not have a uniform. He was apparently a colonel. Like, how does that happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, but if he got out flying B-29s, if he's like a World War II pilot, yeah, then 10 years has passed, right. potentially. But it's and weird so, that he... And so all of your stuff is just old. So it's like, oh, I'm being recalled because I, I have pie bomber knowledge. But it's weird um, that he
0: shows up and is put off by... The, like, he should know that if you don't have those things, you're going to get hassled at the
1: gate like that to me. I have this other feeling that it's like maybe you don't have to be a dickhead to me. That's that's what I'm like, saying. No, oh, I'm sorry, sir. No, no, no. I'm saying that the guy at the front gate could be like maybe more polite instead of treating you automatically like you're a piece of shit until they know for sure that you're an officer. It's like it's I feel like I would get chewed out if I was at front gate and I was like f- like Given everybody the third degree every time they, they showed up. I guess. You know, it's like Part of me wants that officer to subtle. be an
0: asshole until you can prove to me you are in fact a colonel. <laughs> need, yeah. if, if me, like, the, do the do colonel. You need... If someone shows up and they're like, what do you mean I'd I need like, an ID? What do you mean I need a uniform? I'm like... How currently are you? Like how long? You look you-
1: like that famous baseball player. Are you that famous <laughs> yeah. baseball player? Yeah, I'm that famous baseball player oh. and I should be playing baseball. Yeah,
0: I remember. I had you on my fantasy team.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, instead what's going to end up happening is that I'm immediately about to prove that I outrank you and you're giving me a hard fucking time.
0: Yeah. You know how I'm this world-class <laughs> athlete? Well, I get to go sit in a chair for 21 months now, so that ought to be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm about to ruin my career.
0: Yeah. And it hurts my shoulder somehow.
1: crap, So, in any case, uh, the whole point of this is to show off how good how good our security is, and to show off every guy from fricking step, literally as to every how step. you in process yeah. into the Strategic Air Command. It's brutal. Yeah,
0: it's brutal for the audience, but for Jimmy Stewart, it's like okay. Well, now I'm doing this. And, oh, geez, now I'm over
1: here. Okay, I'll get my uniform on. Well, geez, this is the new airplane's new fangled. But he we just... also get to show off how good question mark our security is with an unauthorized dc3 landing yeah that was weird. um with a uh, with the big big entrance of general hawks mm-hmm. and so an airplane comes in it's having trouble it can't get to another airport it lands on the tarmac and then um and security goes and scrambles to intercept it and it just kind of scoots right past security right into the fl- flight line yep and then a bunch of American airmen come pouring out of there, and then the uh, security forces just gun them down right there. And then the general <laughs> runs down the stairs, waving his arms frantically, saying, please, cease fire, cease fire. And then they shoot his legs out from underneath <laughs> They hit him with
0: an RPG because they can't see his identification. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Seems a little reckless, doesn't it? They'll just not even <laughs> tell him that that's what you're going to do.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. what what would have happened had they taken it seriously right like right. cuz what is the alternative is that they they stop that plane with force if right. they're worried that it's like loaded with explosives and going to go right into a flight line of planes loaded with nukes
0: yeah we we have spent quite a bit of time these last couple of movies talking about the ambush trope and how it's pretty essential to the Cold War consensus and this idea that we must remain ever vigilant and hyper aware. And this one is literally like, yeah, you see that passenger airline that's literally a passenger airliner just belching smoke looks harmless as can be. But nope, we've got to take it as seriously as possible and mm-hmm. let it land and, and but don't let it land and like maybe shoot it up like It's just a really fascinating moment that goes by really quick because when it showed the shot of the central airline plane that was with smoke coming out, you know, it's like that's a shot that major airlines now probably wouldn't want. That was an actual airline. Apparently, Um, Jimmy Stewart is one of the owners of the airline, which is how that went over. Um, You see what I'm saying? And it's, it's weird because it's like they pair the Soviet nuclear threat. With a domestic airliner in a state of emergency coming in for a landing to be like, see, that's why we need these nukes. (laughs) Like, They could come at any moment from any place. So, yeah, if that passenger plane lands and if it takes a left when it should take a right next time, just blow it the fuck up. Don't ask yeah, questions.
1: No. It could be an entire battalion of what appears to be American troops in right. vehicles. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and that other person, that's not the president or your wife nope. talking to you over the radio. Both Those movies. Are-
0: <laughs> like all of the movies are doing that. Exactly. Fascinating. We cannot trust <laughs> Americans because of the Soviets.
1: <laughs> yeah. So General Hawks comes in and um and we learn that. You know, it was a pretty good response, but it could have been better had the MPs had maybe more um, more experienced troops. But they're all really short on man, on experienced manpower. I half expected you just saw how easily that happened. (laughs) He should have turned to the audience and been like gee this wah, could have wah, been wah. our response could have been sick i wanted him Are
0: to you be like be the uh, one that's making perhaps sicker? you can explain it to the emperor when he's about to arrive and the other guy could be like the emperor's coming here like it just seemed <laughs> very star warsy to me I, I i kept expecting this guy to be the villain and you hated him but he didn't come off bad at all he comes off like just a tough general just doing the thing just oh hawks i yeah. found him so
1: annoying oh i wish i could have if I was if I was a Navy SEAL, I would have been beat, bumped right down to cook because I would have punched him right in the effing face.
0: But the movie so, wants yeah, us he, to just accept him as inevitable. I guess I don't know.
1: Oh no, absolutely no. But I'm I'm Sally. I I want I don't want to fuck him though. I want to fuck him up. I hate him.
0: Uh, the tension was actually there. I think we might have read that anyway, go ahead. It was
1: just the the one glance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The The, the glance
1: instead. It was. It was instead. Yeah, she was like, "I'm gonna slap that goddamn cigar right of her face." Um, We get to see a eye exam, an eye exam. Mm -hmm. Great, right? Right. And then Sally calls. Guess what? She's already here. Right. This call's coming from inside the the house
0: i expected him to be like let me guess you're, you're already here and you're at the hotel oh i gave you my your own announcement i know my jimmy stewart's not good but i'm gonna keep doing it because i do i like doing it it's fun it well, makes yeah no me keep doing
1: happy it. and that's all that matters um <clears throat> and we get to learn that she's his bride of five months and um, you're not going to stop her right um dentist is captain johnson i wrote that down for some reason <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did we say that this movie is really bureaucratic? Because it is. It's really bureaucratic.
1: Oh, you know why I wrote that? Because um, because my notes start with goddamn eye exam is what it says. Mm-hmm.
0: And then dentist. And then
1: I say dentist is Captain Johnson. <laughs> yeah. So we get to see two different appointments.
0: Right. right. Yeah. And, and it. he hints at a third. He's like, I've only got one more thing to do. I can't remember what it was. but
1: Is it the pressure chamber? Because uh, I wrote goddamn pressure chamber.
0: Yeah. They've got, then, oh, at, they've got her oh have got
1: always calling well i think part of this is is built to be like they're kind of like astronauts because here. it's like that's
0: a big part of the apollo propaganda is being like look at all the little things they have to go through all the prodding and you know all of that and it makes it look extra special and it makes it look like really elite and i think mm-hmm. that this to me really pays off I, again i Sally is, I don't think she's supposed to be naive, but there's a lot of moments where I'm like, I feel like. They wrote
1: this joke right here that sucks. Yeah. He's at 40,000 and she like looks up. She looks up and she goes, I don't see him. And then he's like. Let me explain the chamber. (gasps) But the other stupid thing about this is I, first of all, she how she knows that she wouldn't be able to see him because where the like is he going to be in a balloon? Is he like tethered to the ground in a balloon? And she's like looking up a cord. Is that what she's doing? Is that because yeah, the planes are pretty loud. They're hard to miss. <laughs> they're going to be gone or something like way 40, out of 000. sight, right? Yeah, she knows that. Right. She and then the guy's like, "No, ma'am, don't look up. And let me tell you where he's at." It's just, it's such a it's a dumb joke, bad joke. I hate it.
0: It is just an odd exposition moment, and the way that Jimmy Stewart. He he throws his hands up at the end, like, oh, what are you going to, oh, and he just shakes his head.
1: Oh, uh, Sal, yeah, what can you do?
0: Again, they're really, really close, but as this goes on, they get further and further and further apart, but it's never really framed as a bad thing unless
1: you're watching it as like a contemporary audience. I don't get it. They're showing you how he's getting hooked. They're like, look, man, you're right, because they're like, you're here with a bunch of elite young dudes, and guess what, Boomer? You can still hang. It's he's it's time for him to go it's time for him to get his first free hit it's uh, time for one takeoff and one landing
0: and they really play up this like she doesn't know how long he's going to be gone and he doesn't know how long he's he doesn't know how long he literally
1: thinks they're just going to go up circle the thing and then land again so it's going to be like 45 minutes and they go to Alaska Alaska Alaska. Alaska? Why I can't believe this plane can fly that far. God by golly, we built this. It's it's just there's a lot of this movie is marveling at the capabilities of these machines. Is it the
0: fetishization of weapons technology, Charles? Because again, we uh-huh. like, but I watched a documentary from the Boeing Corporation uh, that was talking about exactly this era in time, and it's true they were rapidly leveling up what planes can do, and it is hard to imagine what that would have been like for the first time to think that a plane could go that far. But it's just such a weird thing to see in a movie now, and it's so heavy-handed in terms of the propaganda in this film, right? Like, it's just... Like, one of the things they pointed out when they rolled out the first 747, they kept pointing this out, is that the tail of the plane is taller than the maximum altitude of the Kitty Hawk flight. And the plane itself is longer than the flight from the Kitty Hawk. You get it? And the oh, wingspan wow. is bigger yeah. than a football field. And it flies, you know, like, halfway around the world, if you want. Like, that's really wild at, at the time and really amazing. It just, it comes off as, like like, the most heavy-handed, like, hammer blow of a like Alaska i
1: it just if i was a a billionaire i would get a big old 747 mm-hmm. hollow it out as much as i could mm-hmm. and then fly a replica of the right flyer <laughs> from one end to the other inside <laughs> while the other one is flying
0: I thought you were going to be like, attach it to the outside of the plane so people think that's what it so is. So it
1: just blows apart the moment that, before it even comes off of the runway. Just rip the shreds on, take off. It's just a tangle of wood and cables. <laughs> take that, um, Orville. So this is fun. We get to see Harry Morgan. From Mash,
3: Colonel. You want to see the rest of this big cigar?
1: This is uh, Colonel Potter. You just his voice. Take
3: over, Onion Head.
0: I bet he sounded like that when he when he was born. He had to be like wah Uh
1: wah wah. Just immediately, uh, like I just like I perked up. I was like, oh
0: yeah. Somebody outside my house was walking by, and they're like, "Is that the guy from Mash?" They like heard the voice, and they're like, "Oh, that's that guy (laughs) from Mash." (laughs) He is. You're watching Mash? Yeah, yeah.
1: Very very Um, recognizable. We, we get them approaching the B-36. The B-36 looks absolutely freaking massive. Yeah, again, here we um, are.
0: Like, what?
1: Yep. <laughs> I looked it up. Um, it's actually bigger than the B-52. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by by not an insignificant amount. It's not right. like, oh, by a few feet on, on the side. No, it's like a 180 wingspan to like a 230-foot wingspan or something. Like, it's it's crazy. And it's like ridiculously long. And as we learn later on, it also has like a Shawshank tunnel in there made of nightmares, <laughs> um, which I hate. Like, it's just... Um, For some reason, so, they actually
0: fill it with shit so that when you go through there, you get the full Shawshank experience, too. I don't know why we do that, but... We just really have to yeah, emphasize so, to the soldiers that they are worth nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so here's go. There, here is a uh, a sound drop that I'm gonna want to put in. This is the airplane starting up. It's at twenty seven forty seven. It is the counting seven. of the propeller seven. turning, and I just love the idea that maybe if the propeller hadn't caught. That the guy would count up just infinitely just some hillbilly because it's the propeller going won't won't the guy's like one two three four five six <laughs> like that until it's like like that and I just love the idea that the guy just like maybe he doesn't realize that it's just all the same three propellers. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah they got slim up there in the front of the plane like what else is he gonna do he's just gonna keep right on counting.
1: And then we get the whole dang checklist at 30, uh, thirty forty here.
3: Start jets. One, two,
2: three, and four. Starting jets. Engine sliders. down. Windows and hatches. closed.
1: So this whole sequence of Walk the apartments. airplane is like 10 seconds ready for takeoff.
3: Man. Radio ready for takeoff. Half compartment, ready for takeoff. Engineer's takeoff configuration. Standing by for propeller reverse safety check and takeoff power. Aircraft commander to crew, stand by for takeoff. Engineer, give me takeoff power. Jets, 100%.
2: Power stabilized. Autopilot, off. No steering. On. Propellants.
3: Say flight sound. Checklist complete.
0: It's worth really listening to, I think, because, um... When we talk about the spectacle and the production of the spectacle, you can and you should spend a lot of time talking about like Vista Vision, Technicolor, and the way that that just exploded the, you know, potentials of filmmaking. And it's so, even now, it comes off as like eye candy. You know like Technicolor's famous slogan is like better than real life and it still comes off that way to me. It still comes off almost it's not a cartoon but it feels like a cartoon, you know? And it's there's really
1: beautiful. Yeah, there's something about the the way the colors look with Technicolor where um where and I, I don't know, I was looking at the at the images and I was like it doesn't look wrong. Right, but it doesn't look
0: Mm-mm. Real right, better than real life and, is really well put because it's like right.
1: That's not right. <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of <laughs> vibrance to it. Yeah, there's to the to the image like it, it's sort of like I don't know. Yeah, it's more intense to it, a mm-hmm. uh, more intensity to the to the colors in some way that I can't put my finger on. Right, that looks totally different. And it looks great. I really love it. It does. And then um, there's too much of this, but the, it's great.
0: And the point that I'm really driving at is like that's super significant, but at the same time, the sound politics are just as important. And we really need to emphasize, yeah, you've you've got a note on this, you've got what's not
1: really nuke music. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the, <laughs> the music in this is like everything is And, like, even when we're scared, it's like, no, no, we're not going to incinerate the whole world, everything's fine. But, like, the engines, I'm talking about these engines for a minute, because one of the most famous filmmakers of all time is watching movies at this period of time and crafting what he's going to do, and this is George Lucas of Star Wars, and he very famously is madly in love with the sounds of engines, and when these planes come on the market, they're not only bigger than anything we've ever seen, they are louder and they have engine sounds that gearheads have never heard, that the, the average public has never heard. And again, if you want that sound, you're either going to build that engine Or you get that DOD buck to come in, and when they've got that sound, they're going to plaster this movie with that sound. The thundering sound, the, the, the rattle of it gearing up and starting and revving, the checklist of how complex it is. None of that is like technicolor of sound so to speak but it is very vivid and it does we would say a lot of work in making the movie appear real in in, in constructing the image that we are there seeing the real thing and so while i while this movie is bad as a piece of propaganda it's exquisite it's got everything you want it really does
1: and even if you know that the movie is absolute nonsense and bullshit <laughs> and that you should and all of this effort was a total waste of money, if you are an airplane nerd and you are curious about this wacky airplane, man, it gives you a lot of footage about it. Yes, it, it does. About a, about a transistory period between like propeller planes, like literally a plane that is propellers and jet engines yep. on it. yep. Yep. That is ridiculous. Yep, just going to
0: mash these that things I didn't together. know anything about. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then and then like a straight up like jet, right. and so it is interesting in that sense, and you get to see too much of it in my in my sense. But this is where I start questioning. This is where I start questioning right around the the checklist. This is where I start thinking, um, and I texted you about it. Where how much of Doctor Strange Love is them? mst3 king this movie no doubt right because i i knew that strange love had a problem where it was like the b-52s they hadn't like actually ever seen the inside of the b-52 they saw a picture in a magazine right but at the same time it's like they definitely saw the inside of previous iterations of these planes a lot Mm -hmm. and they definitely watched this movie Mm -hmm. i feel I
0: tell my debate students just like specifically and pretty much every student in general, lists are some of the most informative things in the world. It's so bizarre. But, like if you ever want to learn something, find a list and just read it, and you'll 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 take away so many things that go beyond what's on the list and this like I've read like these history books about like ancient manners in England, and it's like here's a list of their monthly groceries or like here's you know this Napoleonic warship that would go to sea, here's a list of all their provisions, and it's just like you learn and like a and that's all like a list of items, and what we have here is what what's called a process list. And a process list is things that you do, and it it literally gives you a tour through the aircraft. Like you can almost reverse engine you can't, but you could, like, in theory, conceivably, like, reverse engineer components of this aircraft just based on that list. And so when it comes to like over the top moments, maybe too many shots of airplanes and too long of the droning sounds of their engines, but lists like this, you bet are informing people in all sorts of ways, and and I dig it.
1: <laughs> we uh, meet the crew. We get a a a um after you know gratuitous shots of the airplane taking off mm-hmm. and everything. A marvel mm-hmm. that it even comes off off of the ground at some point. Like I feel like I was expecting it to kind of, but it leveled off like kind of early on, and I was like, "Whoa, is it having a hard time?" Rolling. I guess that's what it does it's really working isn't it? <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> yeah watch videos of the like uh the newest like uh dreamliner that can do like a vertical freaking takeoff as a commercial jet <laughs> compare it to some of this oh, footage God. we've come a long way since kitty hawk uh-huh. folks like holy smokes <laughs>
1: Want to see the rest of this big cigar, says Colonel Potter. And so we go through and we meet all the crew and short timers. The audience is like, nope. And everyone in the movie is like,
0: yeah, let's do it. (laughs) More just random exposition. (laughs) See, these are the lug nuts here on the side of this wheel. And these lug nuts, I'm making it up. But they I mean, they could have. They could have just taken you through like every nook and cranny of that thing. You know, they wanted to. Instead, we
1: get a guy who's like, this is his last Mm -hmm. flight. He's getting the, the hell yeah. out I and mean, he can't wait to get the right. hell out because um because he didn't find it all that great. He seems to <laughs> he seems to not really have like he doesn't straight up say that he hates it, but he's sort of veiled in a sense. Um it's- says that he doesn't like it and he can't wait to to be done with it. As a piece
0: of propaganda, it's remarkably self aware in that it's like, oh, no one's really happy. That this sucks. Nobody wants to do this, and we're not at war. But note that there's no one on the plane. It's like, does anyone think it's bad that we could like incinerate an entire city today and not like have any say in that? Like that combo.
1: Worryingly, at (laughs) some point there that that you opened with the episode. I have that written down later. Okay. Um, we go through the tunnel in the airplane, which is yes, awful. Yes. I think I would rather go over the little catwalk where the Bombay doors mm. Mm. are at, that where I could potentially just see down <laughs> into oblivion no, as I walk across the catwalk. I think I would rather do that than being a tunnel <laughs> where where it's like I could just get stuck in it somehow. Like I do just you have feel, a
0: fear oh, height. Hate that. Do tunnel. you have a fear of claustrophobia? We have a job for you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the tunnel actually should be made out of like acrylic where you could still see the earth (laughs) below it. That would be great.
0: A fear of claustrophobia would be funny. It's like you get claustrophobic and then you're really afraid of that
1: claustrophobia. (laughs) (laughs) At 3606 in the movie, Colonel Potter says the mission statement.
3: Of course, when you boil it all down, it's still an aircraft and a crew working together to get a bomb on a target. But there isn't a war on. Every day in Saks a War, Colonel. Pressure's on all the time and General Hawks is breathing down your neck. We never know when the other fellow may start something. So we've got to be combat ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: It's him saying that there is kind of a war on and we need to be getting ready. And this is the only thing keeping us from
0: compared to the other movies we have seen. This movie is just not talking about the monster at all. Right. The monster's there. (laughs) This movie is like, oh, no, there's no monster. But there could be. <laughs> like, at, at the point that we're like, there's no monster, everyone's like, wait, monsters? Who's talking about monsters? There's monsters in the room? You know, it's like, so they're evoking the monster. They're definitely...
1: As long as we keep building this and you keep operating right. it, that monster will right. never come out. That monster. What are these things that we're flying? It's filled with yeah. monsters.
0: <laughs> exactly right. And all the other movies, that's very, very <laughs> explicit because they are very much like... You know, again, I, I read the movies, myths and national security. They're from
1: yeah, the opposite spectrum of this right. film. Yeah, those are from two people that despise this in the movies, yes. myths
0: a national security state book. They said that in 1949, the Soviets did a huge nuclear test that put everyone on notice that they had the bomb. And in the the 10 or 12 years since that movie, they said Only two A-list studios made movies about nuclear war. This is one of them, and the other one is called On the Beach, which came out in 1959, and it's a bunch of people who are trying not to die after the nuclear war has happened. All the other Hmm. movies, one, two, three, four, five, six movies, film noir movies, B movies, there was a huge explosion of these movies with the movie five captive women split second kiss me deadly the day the world ended the day the world caught fire there's a whole bunch of these movies that are like uh-oh but the big box office but they're like they, we don't even want to talk about it and when they do talk about it they're not talking about it unless they're explicitly saying like oh no you get it like that's it's really constrained vocabulary and and i think that that's really that's the most powerful warning of the whole thing it's like the people that fetishize weapons technology and that are totally prepared to just slaughter a bunch of people with a machine gun nest. Don't even want to speak this into existence, but they're going to use it to justify everything. It's wild.
1: Yeah. Each one of these planes must just cost a phenomenal amount no of money. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Not just to
0: build, but to fly. And to maintain people are always like, This is what it costs to build this plane. And it's like, okay, but let's talk about the maintenance of that plane and the Exactly. Cost. And
1: as we we're gonna learn later on, the maintenance is apparently, wild wild.
0: Chalk up apparently yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh we meet uh Major was it, Ike Nolan here. Mm-hmm. He was a TV shop owner. But he got recalled back, and he uh, hates Everyone from
0: the TV shop owner to the third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals is getting called back to sack, and none of them are happy about it, but there they are.
1: Yeah, and he apparently must have fought in World War II because he says, I did my share. I did my share once. There's a lot of that. We're not in a war, he says. Stewart says the same
0: thing. There's a lot of people that are like, I did my bit. I served my bit. This movie is explicitly saying, we do not care that you served your bit. And it's like, they're saying that, I think, to military people, but they're also saying it to like the
1: American public. Like they're like saying They're they're saying we know that you don't think That there's a war here but there's another bit That we need yeah you, you to just do.
0: lived through a war and Rationing and now none of, none of those things are Necessary but we can't Build any more of these schools
1: Because bombers learn <laughs> learned Them <that, laughs> plural yeah we Used to have to ration but we learn Money's right. made up so now we can just yeah, do so this. So now we're just gonna take the money and give it to the military industrial complex. <laughs> yeah. Um so that'll work out. So that's fun. Um we get a fighter escort, we get a nice big shot of those fighters flying by crisscrossing. I just wrote
0: plane porn.
1: We fly through the contrails. Oh yeah. No, it's totally. literally like
0: um, shots going back and forth, like streams of jet like plumes going across the screen. And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: This is for guys that um that that bombed a Dresden who just can't wait to do something like this again and just need to get back into a flying machine. The
0: boys that want to be them.
1: Yep, and they say let's go home, your wife is waiting. <laughs> but you can't go home yet, baby. Right. Cuz you got a steam bath and massages. Right. Bummer. Again, like
0: they they make it almost like he's a professional athlete. It's like his life as a professional athlete doesn't really change. He's just jockey and a bomber now instead of third base
1: mm-hmm. and then when he finally does get home um, they get to marvel about how long it actually took because he went to Alaska mm-hmm. and back by mm-hmm. golly what a mm-hmm. plane by golly. what a plane yeah Um, I have written here it says Rusty should quit and then it says uh, fuck the Air Force wife life <laughs> um, well, hmm. she learns pretty quick up? Oh, yeah, no, because she's she's mad here. They're having an argument, I think, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
0: they have. And this is where I started texting you like she's making all the points, like she has all of the points. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. this movie does not care and this movie doesn't really reconcile that. And that's, what's so weird. I really do like your question at the beginning is really sticking with me. I wish there was a way to talk to an audience of the era and be like, you all realize she has all of the points. Right. And I just need two people, just two people in that audience to say, yes, she does for me to be like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, it's like a counter read. You get it. People are like tucking it in there. Mm -hmm. You know, because they get the money and they get the direction and all of that, but that doesn't mean that everyone here is trying to sell you the war. You <laughs> know, there could be little resistant packets right. in there, little liberal bullshit, as you right. say.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sneaking its way into Don't my war that. movie.
0: It's scrubbed pretty um, clean in this one, but it's in there. I feel like
1: yeah. it seems to be there's a little little voice in there that's that's trying to get out. Um, Doc Baxter congratulated me. You're having a baby. Um, is that him to tell? I know that it's like the two of them are having a kid, but is that the info to tell the husband?
0: It went. It was the same, right? Should yeah, it, no. The doctor should. <laughs> I, I.
1: It's like I don't know. I don't have so, kids. Speaking but of a I gross a wife, breach of like, ethics,
0: um, <clears throat> this would be a
1: re- right because it. Ju- it reminded me just immediately of that scene in like early Mad Men right. seasons when um when Don like picks up right. the phone and like calls Betty's right. psychiatrist to just get all there the you notes. Go.
0: And and that is, I mean, it's it's yeah. of the era, and and so it, it it speaks to the era for sure. And
1: she apparently doesn't recognize that as being fucked up.
0: Oh no, no, she's a doting yeah. wife. No, like and, until she starts breaking down because like he's being a terrible husband and destroying their life. Yeah, without she talking never to her sees him, him and she's
1: constantly afraid that he's going to be like just right. in a wreck because the airplane caught fire for some inexplicable right. reason.
0: And without talking yeah. to her, he just like upped for that. yeah, and all those things. But oh God. she's yeah. like I mean, when I think of like a quintessential 50s movies wife, she's a really good version of it because she's not so naive and she's not super dense like she's, you know, she's a very forward acting character in this movie. And I, I think she does a really, really good job in a lot of instances of being a very believable 50s wife, you know, like in terms of just like holding her ground and speaking her mind and things and then just being completely overlooked and ignored. <laughs> Like that's kind of what I think it might look like.
1: We uh, we go into the the office of uh, Jimmy Stewart there, and he's like grinning, just can't wait at the idea of uh, of flying again, right? And then, um, and then we see Ike come in, and Ike kind of gets like chewed out. He's getting like pulled off of a crew or something because mm-hmm. he's a bad in a front bad of egg. Jimmy Stewart,
0: like. This mm-hmm. dude's losing his plane while this guy's about to get one. That seems very like...
1: Right. And the, and he says, gratitude for wrecking my business career. Right. Again. And, yeah. Good freaking point. Yeah. He like got his life together like post-war. Apparently had his own TV shop and then what does he do now with it?
0: Again, this movie does a really interesting job of explicitly saying we will break up everything that matters to you for this. It doesn't want to make it look Bad, but it's definitely gonna say it. Your family's gonna break up. Your your job is gonna break up. Your skills are gonna break up. We're gonna take years of your life. Everyone's got to do their bit, though.
1: Jimmy Stewart follows him out, and um, and he says, "You know, hey, get onto my crew because I am gonna need a good navigator." And you know, we're kind of in the, you know, we're sort of in the same situation. And the guy says, "Yeah, we got the same raw deal," but Jimmy Stewart says. Yeah, same deal.
0: Right. I caught that too. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> caught that too. Because his character, I, I kept waiting for his character so to Because now transition. he's starting to get hooked. Right. And and so for me, it's like that's where, it, it it's a little earlier than that, but it, it is. It's a hard cut and then he just kind of becomes someone who's down for it. It's really weird. He's sad that he can't play baseball anymore. He is sad about that. And of course, he's got a sweet manager job waiting for him with the Cardinals. So who cares? But I don't know.
1: Yeah. So we also learned that um that there's some fuel tank tests that are being run. And we learned that Dutch Sure does like to fly and that <laughs> um and that don't have the baby till I get back.
0: Because that's how that works.
1: Uh we also get you're sounding more like General Hawks every day mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Uh oh.
0: And then they fly to Greenland and the wing catches fire and he has everyone-
1: Temperature change yeah. Bail. Temperature changes cause a fuel leak.
0: Right. Because they're doing cold weather tests, so they have to fly somewhere cold and they bail out the crew and they just happen to land on a little village. Good for them. This is definitely not one of those movies where it's like, oh yeah, our experimental aircraft crashed and everyone aboard was killed. Tune in next week for (laughs) more trials and tribulations of the U.S.
1: Air Force. Turns out out if the wing catches fire, uh, you know, you guys can all just bail out very safely.
0: Right. And these two people will ride the plane to the ground and they'll be a little banged up and sore about it, but hey, it's no big deal. They'll just camp out inside and eat those sea rations and worry a little bit and then the military will poke its head into the tent and be like,
1: you're uh-huh. a wall buster. <laughs> I wrote supposed to be having a kid and now his plane is on fire. And I said, special effects versus actual footage. Mm,
0: interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We get, um, we were, I was asking in, uh, in strange love, if the, if the very fakie looking plane while it's flying was intentional because of the, Or was it, or would he have loved to have made a very realistic plane fly? It has to be intentional because it's so cartoony. I don't think it is. I think he would have loved to have had, because I feel like everything else is. I'm sure he would have loved to have a real plane. No doubt. I think it works since it is a joke movie. Right. I think he gets away with it being cartoony, mm-hmm. but I think in his head, I think he's like,
0: it's really, really hard really to, it. to, to quantify the value of that participation though. But this is a really good example. Like we're going to watch the exterior shots of planes flying in Dr. Strange love, which by the way, was several years later than this movie. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to watch what happens when you get that DOD support. And, um, it's gonna blow your yeah. mind.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> like, but but the special effects of this movie right. are not too far removed from the special effects than of well, strange. It
0: just Life. goes it's not because they're like the magic of filmmaking. It's just that DOD dollar. Like yeah, no one can make it look the way they want to make it. Which they should I have need. blown
1: up a real airplane for it. That would have been fucking sick. Know, oh, my God. If they had done that, I would have had to be like, begrudgingly, I recommend this movie. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: I mean, we paid so much for it as a nation. The crash was good, <laughs> I thought. The exterior of the crash, I was like, that was impressive. I mean, it was clearly models, but that looked pretty good.
1: Whenever, yeah, I always love a model. Um, whenever they go to the interior, I was expecting him to get sh- shaken up a lot more. It seems to be like just kind of like riding it, like as if the thing is made of cast iron, right? Just plowing through things instead of like aluminum, yeah, aluminum being shredded apart.
0: Yeah, that was kind of my point where these two guys just ride it to the ground and then camp out with a couple bumps and bruises as opposed to everyone just getting yeah, broken like ankle. Yeah. When the thing comes apart on the ground, yeah,
1: And we get some really great parachute footage. Uh, prior to this, it was uh, very realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ike's so dedicated. You know, Ike is the one who doesn't really want to be there. He's got a business that doesn't exist anymore. But he stayed behind so that he could keep radio. um, All the way to the ground. All the way to the ground so that they could sort of know where they're at. Um, It doesn't
0: help. They're still there for too long. Right. Totally self-serving, perhaps. But again, like, there's like a soldier in everybody we got the best of the guys they'll stay behind to do whatever it takes and because jimmy stewart like literally sacrifices himself to save his crew and then this guy stays behind to make sure that they know where everybody's at
1: they get rescued Mm -hmm. eventually Mm -hmm. um we learned that dutch uh missed the birthing of his baby girl
0: whose name is hope because telegrams are expensive if you Uh, have commas so funny
1: (laughs) So funny. Hope um, was my mom's
0: middle name, and it was her adopted mom's name, so it was actually a fairly popular name for the time, and it makes a lot of sense given what everybody's up against.
1: For sure. All right. Um, I wrote here. General Hawks is annoying as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: a fairly um, because note. <laughs>
1: he should be going. He should be going home, but General Hawks has to hound him about. Um, about whether or not it's his fault that the plane crashed yeah. not worried about his health seemingly not like hey good work you all of your men got out safely and we didn't lose like an entire experienced bomber crew really conflicting. he's just on him like an asshole accidents and, and don't just, just like,
0: happen or something he's like there isn't just like like there's always someone to blame and i'm like that is an experimental aircraft doing a cold weather
1: test i'm pretty sure failure was kind of part of the flight plan wasn't it this was what you guys were trying to find out right is that this happens like I would think that maybe the person that then is the fault is the guy who sent me up there with this uh, untested um, new fuel tank. And that would be you, I guess. So can I like, here's right, a demerit yeah, for cut, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah cut, cut, to, you uh, to uh, cut to Kirk Douglas and uh, Pats to Glory saying, well, you know, by that logic. Yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> right. the one in your right. Yeah. Um. And then um and then General Hawks is like, Well, I'm heading back, so if you want to catch a flight with me, and then we get to the airport and he's like, Hey, do you wanna see what I have in my hangar? <laughs> and um zip on over to the <laughs> hangar zip. The and
0: I'll show you uh Yeah. And
1: th- and then we, we get to see the Boeing Air Company will sign there it and is. They Product go through placement. a door that's too short. And they it's, and, it's a, a um, quaint
0: little logo, too. Like, it looks like a little yeah. Seattle, Washington mom and pop shop, you know. I mean, it's coming up at this point, but it's not who they're going to be. Not yet.
1: Oh, good Lord. But they're pretty much who they're going to be, yeah. um, I feel like. The seven four seven
0: puts him on the map, but um, it is this—it's the military contracts, World War One and Two that take him from like a barn in Washington to the largest indoor building on the planet. So,
1: <laughs> I've got something to show you, and then we get a B fifty B forty seven reveal, and um, and then I wrote here Dutch is creaming his jeans. He's pretty pumped about this plane. <laughs>
3: This is the B-47, huh?
0: Well, she's the most
3: beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life, Jenner. But just look at her. Look at her. I sure would like to get my hands on one of these. Maybe you will, Dutch.
2: Maybe you will.
1: He can't wait, because you know what? That B-36, I think he got about as high as he can possibly get from that. Um... You know, it's like, how are you going to beat the exhilaration of riding that thing into a crash? <laughs> and, um, and I think it's going just full jet. When you put it like
0: that, it's a little weird that he's excited to get into a totally new aircraft. It, <coughs> I, I get jet pilots responding this way. I guess I get bombers responding, but bombers are pretty boring to fly, aren't they? They're just like big and heavy and slow and loud and they vibrate a lot. And like, I guess, okay, so like, Wow, we're at forty thousand instead of twenty thousand. That's kind of cool, really cold up here. Uh, we're still up here. Oh, don't you love it? Like I don't understand that if if you're pulling like Mach one or something like that, I get it. but
1: maybe it's that combined with um and I also have a weapon on here that can just absolutely <laughs> just love touching wipe this trigger look, at this.
0: look right here. <laughs>
1: I can do it. Yeah, you see I this little switch, this emergency it, release
0: switch, which for some reason we just have next to a place where people trip all the time. <laughs> yeah, you can just pull that if you want. I think they just love if the If I checklists. lost my mind
1: right now, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, this is like a 50-page checklist. Let's fucking do it. You know done. how much this thing costs? Well, you're in control of it, my friend. Yeah. Um. But just also, uh, we land. learned that he's going to be flying these and that he's going to be moving to... um he's moving back right into his old house. (laughs) And I say, how can he just move back into his old house? (laughs) It's this movie wants
0: everything to be okay. It, It is making everyone sad that they have to give everything up, but it's okay to give everything up because it's all there when you go back to it. He can't go back to play for the Cardinals again, but he's going to get a manager job is basically what we're told. And yeah, we'll just go back and get the house, I guess. I don't know. The other thing that that was kind of weird is that it's like the new bomber has exactly one window at the very, very top of this canopy, right? And maybe there's like other windows for gunners and things, but the other bombers had way more windows in them. And part of me, just as a crew person, I'd probably rather have windows than
1: not windows. There's not a lot of stuff. There's, like, a little bit of windows for the, uh, for the navigator right. in the front. And that's it. And there's, like... The other ones yeah. were, like,
0: mostly, like, the front of it was,
1: like, this huge... Because you wanted to see all these different... I don't know. But I also feel like there's only three guys in there.
0: Yeah. It's a much smaller crew, they say. They, they give you the details yeah. of, like, what you can do with it, for sure.
1: There's just two guys who don't get to speak in the back. Yep. They're just in complete... Darkness. And two guys that apparently get really close up in the front. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we get a briefing where Hawks reads directly from the uh, Boeing brochure. <laughs> um, brags about how you have to wear freaking socks on it as you walk over the wing because otherwise the wing will shear off at high speeds. That's how freaking precise it is.
0: You know that there's like a camera person there being like, do we really need all this footage? Like, yeah, just keep rolling. Just keep rolling it. Just, he's going to read from the brochure for a while. It's going to go on the big screen. This is national
1: security. Um, And then, um, and then Hawk says that the B 47 is on third base. And he needs you to bring it in. And the look, Dutch. His- he says, and then he grabs the back of a chair, leans all the way forward, pushes the other pilots out of the way, and then gets right into Dutch's face and says,
0: "Dutch, the can camera you do it? gives us the longest react ever." And Jimmy Stewart plays it like he's like, "Oh, oh,
1: I can't wait to hit this, man." It is Ooh. like
0: so hammy. It's like <laughs> on third. And what's weird? Here's the other thing. Not to get two down the baseball rabbit trail because it's possible he could hit mm-hmm. a baseball no, 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 and himself on. end up on third base and he's got to get home but he's a third baseman so he should be trying to stop the person at third base from getting home not trying to bring him home so maybe that's the all look. of these
1: are military guys now so they're all talking about doing it <laughs>
0: This is all sexual innuendo, Mm -hmm. and that's why everyone's so excited to get in the new planes because Mm -hmm. they have much more – as the plane technology grows, the conjugal visits rules decline in terms of crew intimacy, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: I mean, if I'm going to be up there at 40,000, I might as well be having a good time. Well, I better be with somebody that you like. A lot. A lot. And then it's fun, and that's great. That's great. That's better than being up there with somebody that you hate for 16 hours. That's for sure. No doubt. Um, that's the now movie we get I, want, some. I want. I want
0: a nuclear war movie where everything's happening, but the crew of the planes fucking hates each other. <laughs> and they just...
1: They're oh, like, yeah. Like it happens on the other. end of the flight. <laughs> just, I want it to be uh, Jimmy Stewart's arm is is now already dead, and then they get the fail-safe call or whatever. <laughs> I, I can't seem to use my arm here. Looks like we're going to start a <laughs> nuclear war. We don't even know what to do about it. Oh, jeez. So this is where we get into one of the most insane sequences. I was, like, zoning out the first time I was watching this, but today I was watching this closely. We get very gratuitous B-47 footage now. Mm-hmm. Oh, um... It just blows out a huge amount of like vapor or something out of the side. That it takes like, yeah.
0: What is that? Just probably like poison and climate change chemicals. I would imagine.
1: Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> making me <laughs> ma- making me sterile. Um, so. So in this sequence in this sequence we get to see two contrasting things. We get to see them, you know, taking off or whatever, but then we see that the guys in the in the command center are in a very rainy stormy command center. Mm-hmm. But flying way above the clouds in in sunny in the sunny beautiful sky right. is this bomber. And um and then they're doing a a training bombing run and they do it completely via radar Mm -hmm. because they can tell where they're at and they can somehow like guide in the bombs or whatever like that via radar and um and this is amazing and and i think we as an audience are supposed to be totally jazzed about this (laughs) as the guy inside lit the map tells us We've been bombing cities every day and every night all over the US. Only people never know it. And I wrote, Cool. 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 So you've just been flying over American towns all day all all day and night, pretending that you're bombing us with nukes.
0: Yep. And we've talked about how there've been accidents and mistakes and all this stuff, and they're just like, well,
1: whoopsies almost
0: incinerated North Carolina there, but yeah. I mean
1: did you need to practice with a real nuke in there? <laughs> well, eventually yeah. we're going to have to fly with real nukes. Where's the fun of flying a plane without a real nuke in it? Okay, so we're in the plane, and um, and this is where we get one of we get two great shots here. At one sixteen thirty six, we get Ike's wet ass. I wrote. Mike stands up and he starts heading back. Um he's got the, the coffee um thermos and the, the whatever the mug. On his butt there is a big old wet spot. I'm sitting on a wet seat. Yeah, sitting on a wet seat. spilled some coffee right directly into his lap and it's it pulled up into Don't the hard plastic you know chair off, or something.
0: You go to take a sip right when they clear you for takeoff and he just right down the front.
1: Oh my god. Or yeah, uh, you know, he I didn't know if the red or the black meant that it was open. And I guess it was open. It was open. Tipped yeah. over on its side, it poured right into this plastic seat that I'm sitting in, and just pulled up right on my ass. And they don't
0: have a drain um, yet. They haven't fixed that part of the the bomber. They haven't
1: worked that. No. So. Um, and then he gets 47. up and he emerges. Um, this is where we start texting each other the same screen grabs. It's suggestive. Uh, there's <laughs> there's no way that Stanley Kubrick didn't watch this and was just giggling with his friends it's or suggestive. whatever. <laughs> It's suggestive. It looks like a guy pops up from underneath or just, I don't know, watch the movie, you know? In a sense, I recommend this. Just watch Um, the
0: movie and giggle like a bunch of middle schoolers like Charles and
1: I did. (laughs) Hey, Kate thought it was funny, too. She saw the same thing,
0: and she was like, that's pretty funny.
1: (laughs) I said the landing music is ridiculous. So play some of that for everybody. Mm -hmm. Play that behind everything. The music is constantly ridiculous in here. It doesn't fit really quite the tone of it. I mean, the, mo- the movie opens with a song.
0: The Air Force song. It opens and closes I with close
3: them. Right where they are. the. Is that
1: the Air Force? actual i don't think no, that's the, the wild blue yonder song is their right.
0: official it sounded well, almost like song. the army comes rolling along but i know they wouldn't be singing that one um but yeah it, it's like one of those like songs they sing as they run around on a base that's kind of how it's the sounded.
1: army air corps goes flying along yeah, yeah that'd be cool um army people so this like, is oh, where we no, went you Dutch... can that. <laughs> that's our dude <laughs> Dutch comes back. He is um, he's got like a, a beard almost is growing on his face. He seems to be very tired. I said right here that he is squirming around like a junkie. Yeah. Um,
0: if we're supposed to want to be Jimmy Stewart right now, then it's like a hard, hard kind of life.
1: They're at the baseball game. He mm-hmm. can't pay attention to the baseball game. Mm-hmm. He's like...
0: He's got to get ugh. back in the seat. He's, well, he ugh. keeps checking his watch, and she's like, you don't leave until midnight. He's like, well, it's like six hours of preparation. It's not like we're flying a toaster off there, baby. He doesn't say baby. Jimmy Stewart would never say baby, but it <laughs> would be pretty cool if he did. I like our bit going back and forth with text where we want Jimmy Stewart to do the Matador monologue from the end of Failsafe just because oh his God, voice would yeah. be... Did you Hilarious. listen to the text I sent you of him being a fighter pilot when they're like, we ran into a headwind, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, jeez, we better do something about that. And I'm like, my hero. We bumped into a knot
3: headwind, Dutch. Jet stream 40 knots faster than briefed. We've lost 13 minutes already.
1: Well, well we better do something about that, Ike. Right? Leon, what do you think? He <laughs> <laughs> just sounds Uh-oh. gawky. Sally doesn't like General Hawks. Mm-mm. And um, we also learned that Rusty has made a full Colonel now. And the and Brewster kid's
0: doing well. The Brewster kid's are really coming on Brewster like everybody said he good. would. So that's good. Good for him.
1: Yeah. Um, and as we learned from John Travolta and Thin Red Line, which we haven't done yet, mm. um, you know, once you get Colonel, just can't wait to get that star. Can't wait to get that star, can you?
0: There's always someone waiting to jump in when you're not. That's a different movie.
1: <laughs> um Sally is on the phone talking to her mom, and she is just a barrel full of nerves, mm-hmm. rightfully so. And then she just um, hangs up
0: on her mom because the husband comes home.
1: Right. And, oh, yeah, this is where he is. He has, like, a 5 o'clock shadow. Mm-hmm. His flight apparently has been long and exhausting and has frayed his nerves. And he's like, I know what I'm doing. And she says, you're so tired, you don't know what you're doing. You're right, Sally. Correct. Ding. Yeah. Yep. Yeah um but he can't wait to do it he's jonesing he's uh he even just because he got the big hit he's coming down off of that that hit and mm-hmm. he needs more mm-hmm. and and what better could be just a 16 hour flight <laughs> um we get a briefing in the on same that. chair and the,
0: the same chair like you're not <laughs> the, getting up and walking around the plane with your shoes off you're <laughs> in you're that right chair.
1: So during this briefing, which takes place, they have a they have a, you know, a big map and um and they have all the lights on. And then they turn the lights off and the map has black light or whatever on it. And then they point at it and then it comes back up. The lights come back up again and you can see the map just as well as you could have either way. I wrote, does that help? I laughed so
0: hard when this was happening because in my mind, I could just hear people murmuring like, can you see anything? I can't see anything. Oh, it got really dark in here. <laughs> they, like, they, they turned to the camera on the audience and you could barely see people. It's just like outlines of a few heads and in my mind. I'm like, uh, I can't see anything. I, I can't see anything. <laughs> at? I was like, know what you He turns the light back on and someone in the audience is like, oh, thank God. A hand raised in the back. Yeah, could you point again? We could not see anything when you turn the lights off. <laughs> they wanted so bad to have like the dramatic map. But the lighting was just awful. <laughs> and it was so funny because it's the briefing. This is the briefing. <laughs> no wonder they ended up in a storm. <laughs> they couldn't see shit. <laughs> I was laughing so hard and It was like why is this funny Why are they turning the lights off because they want this Big dramatic moment look at our map They gotta get the. they could not get the big board Right Kubrick can land to that Big board they should have brought him on to put the big Board up
1: Oof. Oh boy yeah no it definitely Made me cry um post briefing 12440 we have A uh, bunch of Loading up planes Footage
0: gonna <laughs> do that for um, a while
1: so we get to see uh we get to see a scooter. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we get to see like a Vespa or something, like over by a, a plane wheel. More uh, fetishization we of
0: weapons technology right there. This is Vespa a going. A bunch by. of
1: guys, exactly. Um Vespa Beast, Vespa a Beast is what it said. Mm-hmm. The av- old advertisements. Um a bunch of dudes, um lacklusterly, like just kind of sadly climbing into an airplane. Um and then I wrote that I am legit surprised that they drove a tanker. Into that airplane?
0: Yeah. Yep. yep yeah. Yep. I was like, "Is that I... okay? I guess that's how they do that. That would."
1: I'm having a hard time uh nailing down the scale of this plane. I thought they
0: would pump it into the tank on the plane, but the... and again, they're they're really showing off. That's the whole point. It's just one. I think when they refuel,
1: I think when they do the refuel sequence on the 16 hour one, what's going on is that they have that truck right just dangling its hose <laughs> out of the back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they used to just hang the whole truck out the back, but then they figured longer hoses was easier.
1: It was, it was they stuck. would try because they, they still had the handle. The, yeah, they'd fly. That the, you had
0: to use. They would drive the truck from one plane over to the other in the sky.
1: Oh my god! My god! Um, yeah, this is a long sequence of the plane, so it it, it loads on for a long time. Mm. Tom Doyle is on the phone. Dutch is needed back. Brewster broke his leg. Mm-hmm. He's having such a good year and, too. And, can he, and this is good news. Can he do that? Mm-hmm.
0: I guess he's at the end of his stint now. So he's
1: at the He could break his leg. Yeah. <laughs> can you? It's possible. Yeah.
0: Even, even if you play for the Cardinals? No, but is he at the end? So 21 months have passed. Is that what we're led to believe now? Is now 20? I think
1: he's like pretty much getting right okay. at the end of it, yeah. Okay. Um I mean, at least nine months has passed. Right. We have um the office view. Mm-hmm. And I wrote flag planes mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a picture of his wife. There's the view of the plains, and then there's the flag in his uh, in his office. So there anything else? And he kind of looks looks at all of them. Um, looks at all of them. Sings the American Dad theme. <laughs> um, and then um, and then we learn that uh, Dutch turned them down. Yeah, one twenty eight fifty. Sally and Dutch have a very, very fascinating conversation. Where she's right. Where Sally is right. I
3: had to make a decision, and I made it. I'm not getting out at all. I'm staying in the Air Force permanently. Oh, you look... I know it's rough on you. I know how you feel. I took all that into consideration. But when I got right down to rock bottom, this was the only thing I could do.
2: But you've served your 21 months.
3: Now, there's and... no use arguing. It's all settled. I've signed up.
2: You just went ahead and made this decision all by yourself.
3: There are some decisions you have to make alone.
2: So this is going to be it. The Air Force. For the rest of your life and mine. One station after another. One mission after another. And and you just walk in here and calmly tell me this.
3: Now, there are times when you're given certain responsibilities. You can't ignore them.
2: Well, don't you have any responsibilities to hope in me? Is it always General Hawks?
3: Now, General Hawks didn't have anything to do with it.
2: Oh, he's been working on you for months, flattering you, promoting you. Sally,
3: him. if there was a war on, you wouldn't question any of this. Well, that's just it. There isn't. But there is a kind of war. We've got to stay ready to fight without fighting. That's even tougher. That's why I made this decision.
2: You made it. We didn't. All these months I kept telling myself it isn't how much you're together that counts. It's, it's that you are together. And now and suddenly we're not together at all. i oh, touch what's happened to you. I just don't even know you anymore. I'm still the same. And here I am all alone with a strange. <laughs>
0: I don't like that when she finds out she immediately Opens the sports page and she's like I don't even know Who's in the rotation like they just make her out to be This like baseball fan that wants to go back to Baseball town but this conversation Makes it really really plain like Dutch Is an asshole and a terrible husband And um she Realizes she's married to an asshole And a terrible husband and she has multiple Looks of realization that I, I told you like this if you said we should Watch this movie from her perspective we should Have this movie where it's all about her And I'm like, it's like a horror movie, basically. It's not like a murder horror movie, but it's like, this is the patriarchy. Congratulations. You married right
1: into Mm it. Yeah. Her husband is like, it starts getting like taken over, um, body snatcher style. Um, so Sally's all truth. And then he says, there is a kind of war, says Dutch. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm from the future. You guys don't exist anymore.
0: Yeah there was there was never a war in fact we got closer with your accidents than like with the actual war Mm
1: -hmm. so Mm. yeah maybe you guys maybe a guy with his broken arm shouldn't be up there find a nuke yeah how about that um and then this is where i wrote this is a movie about addiction yeah um because of this because he like just needs another hit his wife is crying there and it's like strategic air command um calls sally says that she lives with a stranger and that we couldn't be farther apart such a what does it matter fascinating so read good.
0: it'd be so there's very little about this movie i i did the, the the scholar search and all of that and i found a lot talking about you know propaganda and how it's a kind of propaganda and everything just kind of offhand commentary very little about like the movie itself the plot itself the characters themselves mm. And this is just such a fascinating read. And and when you look at the, the Cold War consensus as a kind of addiction, as a kind of rush, like just wonderful artifact for that. I love it.
1: Interesting. It is an interesting movie. Um, lots of gray. He leaves. Um, we get a um, a bunch of great uh, old mopeds and scooters in the background. Take that, Russia. Um, yeah. And then more plane footage. Mm hmm. Um didn't have enough of that so far. We got a bunch of them taking off now because this is a big operation. Remember um, that
0: uh Failsafe, they had to use the same plane taking off every single time in the dark because they could not even get rental footage for the movie. They don't have that problem with this film.
1: Not at all. And you know what? Failsafe did it better. I I'm gonna say it right now. Better movie. I mean, if you want to see these airplanes, but it's like they got in and out of it real quick. Yeah. Played the three clips, and you know what? doesn't matter if it's the same plane. What well, doesn't it, matter if they're the different planes. It's a good it example matter.
0: of where people think you need it to look a certain way for it to be a good movie. And you do not. Even when it looks a certain way like this, it can be a bad movie, which this is. And without looking a certain way, it can be a good movie, which Failsafe in a way was. So, yeah.
1: We get a great shot after this of Sally standing alone in the doorway in the house. It's a great shot. That was, yeah. And it says a lot. That was yep.
0: the one where I'm like, uh-oh realization setting in right now (laughs)
1: um and then um and remember this is the best
0: case scenario this is what happens when we are at peace time if things get worse we're gonna set the world on fire so (laughs) yeah live with that one sally
1: um sally um talks to general hawks uh mrs holland i too have no choice really
0: no one has any choice no okay, one's in wait.
1: control it's the has one any thing choice?
0: everyone agrees on is that no one is in control there is no choice
1: if you don't want this stuff to go on what you have to do is make your voice heard at the ballot box my friend
0: that's right we'll vote them out that's vote what we'll out. do we'll vote them out
1: <laughs> um i wrote here 137 in the movie the big board the, this is where we get the legit big board it has a ladder and everything that's how freaking big it it's is it's a pretty big board i mean board. it's not it's not a robotic or it's not like a like a an animated like screen like in the other ones yet but this is you know a little bit we're in between world war 2 where they're pushing around models with uh with sticks which <laughs> always has looked fun to that me that was my favorite and
0: every time oh, i, I see always, that in movies I, i'm like i just want to go do that all day <laughs>
1: I want to push around those tanks.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, at least they kept the um, lights on
0: for this one. That helped a lot. Much better.
1: I wrote the big board exclamation point followed by airplanes fucking.
0: Mm -hmm. There's our fuel tanker right on schedule. Stanley Kubrick is just furiously scribbling notes, giggling.
1: Oh, totally. Because it's got the music and everything. It does. Like it's got like romantic sounding music. It may, like again, Stanley
0: Kubrick may as well just use that same stock footage and the same music and.
1: These are war machines, and it has a music like they want you to go on a vacation on a on a seven forty seven. Yeah, it's like, like it's it's wild. It's the fly the friendly skies music, yeah. but it's a machine that is going to where people have been fantasizing about wiping you off of the planet, right. you an American citizen, all day and all night. Forty megatons it's of so
0: nuclear bizarre. weaponry on that thing, and they're making it sound like a a date on the. You know, in Venice, like you're paddling down the water and you're having a picnic in the park. And it's just like this. The strings sound like the intro to It's Always Sunny from Philadelphia. It's like the sweetest, most innocent strings in the world. Not nuclear war music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is where we get one of the first casualties of the movie. Um, where where we learn that Ike has reenlisted. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's the casual um, thing. I'm like, nobody died in this movie. What? No,
1: uh. Yeah, no, we lost him to the machine. like
0: takes flak um, fire through the belly of the, the bomber and just splatters all over the <laughs> inside of the plane. Nope, that doesn't happen in this movie. Uh,
1: Dutch apparently has started quite a fashion. So it's like these guys have like reenlisted enlisted crew with Dutch.
0: Yep, exactly right. This, <laughs> this movie is, is, is for all up. the people that where will sign to take sad. their place. Yep, yep.
1: Um, so... And they say uh, Dutchy started quite a fashion, and I wrote, of people wasting their lives going to get tillman
0: Yeah, w- wait till they um, find out that Dutch doesn't get to be in the military
1: anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I'm leaving. I'm going to be a baseball manager, and you're in now for the rest I'll of your I'll follow life.
0: you to the gates of hell, sir. So about that, uh, I've been released from the military, and you are going <laughs> to the gates of hell. Have a great
1: time. <laughs> they're uh, They're about 12 hours into the flight, and everybody is physically miserable. Yep. Um, no in-flight movie. The in-flight
0: movie is failure to launch. And they're just suffering through it again and again and again. Oh my god. Little inside joke there.
1: Um Dutch's yeah. arm is brutalized. Um can't lift it hardly fog on the ground. They can't land. They have to go to a different airport. Super bad visibility. Um it's 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 a horrible situation. And oh, god damn it. They say stand by for immediate jet penetration.
3: Stand by for immediate jet penetration. Clear it up, clear it up.
0: <laughs> and again, I'm like right. <laughs> And also, like that just sounds like a very abrupt thing to tell someone. I'd be like, "Wait, immediate jet penetration? Can we like talk this over first? Have a couple of <laughs> minutes first? I don't know." talk
1: to dutch people. cannot reach the throttles he has to talk to his uh to his co-pilot and walk him through that it's like having somebody switching the gears for you as you drive the car and just like hit the clutch for him. It's, they're doing the gas they're doing that accelerator and
0: i guess that's pretty straightforward in a car but yeah i'm not a pilot i feel like operating the throttle is fairly important you want a pilot that can do that and he that's does so he gets yelled him. at for like he he gets yelled at for flying when he shouldn't have been flying. Why is he flying? He's just hooked on the plane
1: because he's, he's an hooked ant. on he's hooked on flying. Right. Okay. Um, they say continue your penetration.
3: Air Force Jet Three Four One One, you are cleared for immediate jet penetration.
1: Um, he lands the he lands the plane. Um, entirely through um, tower commands, pretty much, until they get, like, right to the ground. I wrote that this was actually pretty exciting.
0: This is something pilots can do. It is, in fact, very, very difficult. It's something they practice a lot, and that takes just tremendous courage, I think. It is exciting. Doing it one-armed would be super hard, I imagine. It's not Act 3 exciting. I mean, it's not like... I
1: wrote, this is where they went wrong. They should have shown an experienced pilot at the beginning of the movie fucking it up yeah it should have been one of dutch's friends dutch should have shown up at strategic air command like his first day goes up to the tower on the tour it's foggy or whatever and then one of his friends that's the best pilot goes to land the plane and has essentially the same problem without the arm problem mm-hmm. And then crashes into a huge, horrible fireball. And then Dutch is like, what have I gotten? Well, I got myself into. Well,
0: geez, the stakes are a lot higher than third base.
1: Well, well, we
3: better do something about that, Ike. Leon, what do you think?
1: If they had done that, that would have been totally awesome. That would have raised the stakes a bunch. And then at the end, when he was landing it, going through the same thing, it would have been super exciting, I think. One of the
0: rabbit holes... I fall down is there's a bunch of YouTube channels where people let you fly along inside aircraft as they're on approach and stuff like that and it's for real like they'll fly those things in like the 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 water effects on that windscreen I thought were really cool where you can see hmm. nothing you see nothing and then runway it's just runway and the whole time you're talking and the people are like yep you're good you're online doing great and they call it like I can't remember what they call it but it's like you're just flying off your Insta
3: 180 degrees. You are on black Path. You are on course. You are two miles from the end of the runway.
0: And you're you're the biggest risk, they think this is degrees. how Kobe's helicopter went down, the biggest, the biggest risk is you just get disoriented. You don't know which way is up and which way is you're down and runway. you overcorrect and that's it. And when you're at low level, that's really dangerous. And so you have to be a really incredible pilot to do it. It's really dangerous.
3: Alright. Back a little more. I got the runway. Auto. Auto. All the way back, all the way back, Leo. All right, all right, pop your shoe.
0: It's it's a good moment, and you're right, it is exciting. But as, as the pinnacle of the movie, they're catering entirely to pilots in the audience being like, dang, that was a tough landing. I laughed I when you said that because yes. it's true. Like everyone else is like, it's rainy and they're landing a plane. It's exciting, but <laughs> that's it. Like, mm-hmm. Welcome to SFO, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're sorry you're a little delayed. Uh,
1: you know, like. Right. It's, if you had a naval battleship movie where the conflict was that they had a fire on the battleship, mm-hmm. people that were on battleships or worked on ships and were like, oh, my God, a fire. That's super serious. But other people would be like, it's a bummer we didn't get to see a fight between battleships.
0: Right. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Yeah. It's a really good point.
1: Um. So Dutch's arm is totally jacked and um, he shouldn't have been flying right. apparently. Right. He had been keeping this under wraps. So he turned
0: down the cardinals to stay in the army and now the army or the air force doesn't want him.
1: Mm-hmm. And then um, and so General Hawkes scolds him. Tells him that um that he should have said something about it. Correct. And then says that um that he can't fly anymore. Right. But if he wanted a desk job, you could have that. You interested, and he's like, No, I'm here to you can you can stay, but you can't take drugs anymore. He's like, No, I came here for the drugs. He's not a patriot,
0: <laughs> right? He's not about the cause. And it's not I'm here to fly
1: planes. Yeah, it's just the planes. And then um and then the funniest punchline of the movie is that General Hawk says I guess you can't play baseball with that arm either. What are you gonna do? <laughs>
0: boop boop boop, boop. Oh. <laughs> no, I guess all right, you got a managing job. He'd be crazy not to give you a managing job. I'm like, oh that's how it works in major league baseball, but
1: okay. I guess it's that easy. Yeah. I mean Brewster is gonna need to manage too, his leg's broken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's a remarkable ending because as a piece of propaganda you do you expect it to end up with him like making like be, being a lifer or something but they take away his baseball career they ruin his marriage and then they kick him out and he ends up it ends like He that,
1: doesn't even have a line where he's like don't worry though you know it's like we have a good a good package for you you know disability and stuff like nope. that if you get they don't mention that nope. which is wild for a movie that is pitching so much at you and then immediately follows him discarding Jimmy Stewart. Well, just while Jimmy Stewart is in shock at the door with like tears in his eyes. Mm. Um, he's like, general Hawks is like, Hey, I just want you to know that like all this great housing and benefits and stuff like that, that I've gotten for people that wasn't easy to come by. And you know, 80% of our force comes from, from civilian volunteers or whatever. And I just, I really just need help. (laughs) from people and I'm really glad that you stayed in for as long as you did and it's like it was like so it was so it was just like he should have looked right into the camera and then like pushed in on him and everything and had him framed with the flags and everything and had him talk directly to the audience and then had a phone number scroll along the bottom for a strategic air command recruiting
0: it's just a weird pitch it's a weird pitch you too can make it to the cardinals and then get pulled away Right when you're about to sign a 70K contract, and then your arm's fucked up, and then you're out. And then and know. then
1: the most offensive part of the movie shows up, and that is um, having Sally show up and um, and apologize for being mad.
2: I don't care what uniform you're wearing. You're still my husband. I'm very proud of you. I'm ashamed of me.
0: I'm proud of you and I'm ashamed of me she says
1: I love you but I can't help but say right now I overheard through the door that you that you're getting out and I'm fucking glad right and you know what shame on you the guy behind you your boss right. for we had we could have had a few more years of 70k right. baseball
0: also remember that moment where you signed up without talking to me about what we were going to do and I said you made a mistake well not to really emphasize that i was right and you were wrong but uh <laughs> i was mm-hmm. and you were yeah nope she's that you were wrong and you made me angry she's proud of him for what we don't know and ashamed of herself for what don't know N- neither of those are contextualized she just she's walks a product
1: in. of her time sadly it's like she's just like she started malfunctioning or something it's like she's she's bucking against the patriarchy, but she hasn't gone over the edge yet.
0: It's like, this is like a greatest sacrifice movie, except the sacrifice is like his arm, his baseball career, and his wife, because they cannot show you him dying in a fiery crash or something like that, because then you don't get people signing up to join SAC. I don't know.
1: Um, And then the movie ends right there, and we get, um, if you have Blessing the subtitles me. on, it says Majestic Theme Playing. Um, And then we get the music and just put that in over the top of this and fade it out as we're talking. It's the Air Force takes command.
0: And they're they're talking about the future planes, the next gen planes that are taken off, right? Mm -hmm. The movie is more about that than anything. It's more about...
1: It ends with them saying, "Oh, oh, you hear that engine's going... It's like that's the new bomber wing, yeah. and then they all like go and look out the window. Even Sally, as if Sally, should be like, I don't give a shit.
0: Right. It reminded me of the end of one of the Star Wars movies where they're all standing there on the bridge, and we pan out, and hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's like Empire, yeah. But it—that's my thought. But it's like it's so weird because the movie is not about the bomb. The movie is very little about Russia and communism. It says nothing of communism at all. There, the only stakes are like. Like it's third base, and we got to get it home. It's all about the plane. It's about developing the plane. It's about flying the plane. It's about showing the plane and listening to the plane. And the, they're
1: pitching flying the plane to you. And the
0: life of the pilot. Right? Like it's fascinating because it makes me think of that moment in the book, The Thin Red Line, that you and I talked about. At the very beginning where the dude is watching the bombers and doing the math and realizing that the human is one of the cheapest parts of that aircraft and that ultimately the question is just how many of these pilot deaths can we afford compared to their deaths and can we, you know, manufacture enough airplanes and enough pilots and – and in when you get to this level, it's still true but the pilot becomes more expensive and more valuable now because the job is so terrible and and so horrifying – at the same time and this is the best possible version that they have of reconciling themselves with that you get it like if you want to mm-hmm. see someone really polish a turd this is the movie and it's coming on the back of a time when they were like I don't know the, the, the math was just you know put them in the in the cockpit and send them up so they can shoot down as many things as they can before they get shot down. Mm-hmm. and that that cost logic changes completely when you get to these things because now they just don't have enough pilots for the the bombers, you know? Yeah. Because they're so hard to fly.
1: And they're going down like crazy in Greenland.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because it's so cold. It's a bizarre movie. This the 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 pairing was great and I'm really excited for the batch episode on these 3 because there's a lot to talk about from just like the cinematic representation and critique of the Cold War consensus to The kind of um, narratives that surround um, the war effort in terms of this inevitability. All of these movies very much put the war off camera, but they all put it as something that's inevitable. You know, and I just I'm I'm excited to kind of spend some time digging through that.
1: So did you like this movie? No,
0: (laughs) I'm glad I watched it. And again, I would say if if you want to take a look at a really fascinating piece of propaganda, if you put all of the pieces of context together, this movie is exquisite from from the Technicolor to the new planes to the casting of Jimmy Stewart to the the, the role that the St. Louis Cardinals play in his baseball career. I just feel like this movie is very much a kind of statuesque example of propaganda. And they talk about in that book how people say Hollywood has this big fetish and like, you know, super conservative and it is. But they say that only a fraction of the movies that they analyze are what they would call propaganda. They say propagandistic is what you get more of. And propagandistic is just faithfully reproducing the Manichean good us versus bad them worldview. That's like Hollywood is a lot of that. and like Star Wars. Um, but just as like a piece of propaganda, this movie is incredible and, and pairing it as we have with these other two movies, fail safe and Dr. Strangelove has really like opened my eyes to like the way that cinema has grappled with this at the, at the time and definitely to like the power of satire and it's, it's mm. elevated. I mean, Kubrick has a lot of, you know, uh, content and a lot of, you know, debates about him, but. As far as the movie contributions that he's made so far to this project, it's just overwhelming. Like, when, not even comparing this to this batch, right? Compare this to our prior batch: Paths of Glory, mm-hmm. Glory, and The Big Parade. So those movies are dealing with World War One, the Civil War, far prior to this. Um, mm-hmm. I love that we have such a wide array of leading men. We've got Henry Fonda, mm-hmm. you know. We've got um, Kirk Douglas. We've got Jimmy Stewart. We've got Peter Sellers. We've got um the dude whose name I cannot remember from the big parade that was all the jam until they started listening to voices and then he couldn't hack it anymore in Hollywood. <laughs> we forget that that Hollywood has always had the leading men of the time and the leading ac- women of the time and that they've always done these kinds of things. It's just fun to look at that. I don't know. It's It's interesting to see these performers doing all this. What do you think? Did you like this movie?
1: Uh no, I don't like this movie. It's too long. You know, I think if they if they cut out so much more of the airplane footage, and the bureaucracy that this movie that this movie would be that could this movie could be like a tight ninety minutes. Do we I think. need an eye exam? <laughs> we don't need an eye exam. We don't need so many things. Um, we do we potentially need this movie? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that as somebody who for some reason recently was reading about B thirty sixes on YouTube or whatever, I think it was great to get to see the shit out of it. Now I've seen more than I ever need to about that plane. Um, You know, I like to see Jimmy Stewart. I am curious more about um, what's her name? The lady who plays Sally, uh, because I thought she did a good job. Um, My next, go ahead. I'm going to say that there are some things that I do like in this movie. Uh You know, all of these movies hopefully have something that i like in them that are well done and and, you know, like, June Allison. I thought she was a delight. She was great. Um, um, I think that that I do like pretty much everything that goes on with the exception of the end with her character. I thought that she was like the voice of reason, secret leftist, whatever that that sneaks in the voice that that comes into the movie that I don't think aside from the undermining of her character at the very end. I don't think any other characters like honestly effectively counter her arguments. No.
0: And she's probably the mo I mean, she's definitely the most fleshed out woman character we've seen so far, but um she's one of the more fleshed out characters in general, aside from the very beginning, where she's like, Oh yeah, we'll just mm-hmm. drop everything and you can do it. No big deal. Like, you know, she's written as a as a fifties wife, but I definitely mm-hmm. agree with that, for sure.
1: Yeah. I really, really liked her. So there there's elements here, you know, if I was to sol- if I was to take good parts from it, I would say that honestly, I love Technicolor. Yeah, oh, I, I do really too. love the way it looks. My God. I you do know? too.
0: I feel like they should go back to making movies this way, even if it's only for commentary purposes. Like it's just fascinating.
1: <laughs> hmm Um it, it, you know, as an artifact of its time, I think it's worth looking at. But um but aside from that, like I like I just What would keep you interested in it? You know, like as because I feel like I saw this as a little kid, but none of it sticks with me because it's not exciting. It doesn't go anywhere.
0: You don't know anything about act three until we get there yeah like
1: yeah it's just another training mission to figure out planes not to get
0: too literary, but like typically you've got like this big crisis or this big conflict that has resolution process, and we are introduced to it in act one and it reaches a point of like despair in act two, and then act three we resolve it, and that means you have this thing called a gun introduced in the first act and all of these other things and
1: well I guess the gun is the airplane, and the and that conflict is the relationship with him and his wife. But he ends landing in the storm,
0: like that's the. It's his arm, his arm. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I, I don't I, know. It, it doesn't go anywhere. You get it? Like it's. He had to fight. Yeah, it's it's not it's not satisfying in that sense. You could make um, a you know, propaganda a Jimmy, movie with a plot.
0: <laughs> like it doesn't it does, have to be plotless.
1: You you said that that Jimmy Stewart was like the the Tom Hanks of his time, kind of, yeah. and I that's what. I mean, this is one of my dad's complaints about Tom Hanks: is that you never get to see a villainous Tom Hanks. No. Same with Jimmy Stewart. And I think, right, like. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like, do we at least get to see? Does Jimmy Stewart ever make a war movie where he blasts a Nazi or where he bombs I don't New think York? So. Yeah, where he yeah where he's the matador. Yeah. No. And, and again, that's why I think
0: contextually, as a piece of propaganda, it is so exquisite. Yeah, because my only understanding of Jimmy Stewart coming in again was like, what a wonderful life. Mr. Smith goes to Washington and the old filibuster. Oh, she should be bad in the filibuster. Oh, Jimmy Stewart coming back again. Um, and then Harvey and Harvey is one of my we watch that movie every year for Easter. It's the way we celebrate the birth of Jesus or the resurrection is watching a movie about an imaginary rabbit. And um, I think that it's it's hard to find his comparison because he is so harmless He is so like old school Hollywood in that he's everything that's right and nothing that's wrong. He's not arrogant. In this movie, he's obsessed. He's a little obsessive, but the movie doesn't take sides against him at all. And I don't think you ever see that. And at least Tom Hanks, like I said, he gets cast away, right? He gets like, he hits the beaches at Normandy. He can get gritty. And I don't think we, Jimmy Stewart doesn't do any of that. He's Americana through and through. And it makes me want to learn more about him because I bet you could study him like as an archetype and learn a lot about like white masculinity, settler colonialism, the patriarchy, all of that. No doubt.
1: I was going to say, long story short, I, um, you know, it's an interesting movie to watch. I don't really like it. There's some things that I did like a lot with it. They were all Sally. Yeah. I like Sally a lot. She would be what I would take pluck from this movie and save her as I put the rest into the uh dustbin. It's always I wouldn't want to fun to put, show this to my little kid. Put the view
0: of the movie in um, you know, um a marginalized character's perspective. We did that with Trip with Glory and that would would have produced a really interesting movie. I think that's a fun comment for this movie for sure
1: mm-hmm. no totally if it if it was just her going through a horror and then just like the only time they showed the flight things was like quick montages mm-hmm. of all of the guys just being like wow 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 all oh, we're flying but it's like it serves no purpose whatsoever except for it to terrorize your wife <laughs> um you know it's like they should uh they should redo it and um and he crashes his plane and then she has like a miscarriage um, because she's just so unbelievably stressed out from the thing that's going on, you know, and just has like a mental breakdown and it's his fricking fault because he can't stop doing this sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Where it crashes his plane and everybody dies. And then she's a widow with a kid and all of that. Um,
1: or, or his, like half of his brain is off and then she has two kids. And then
0: they get to fight with the VA to get any of his healthcare. And oh, I guess man. since it's oh, the fifties so or sixties, they actually maybe come through. I don't know. But, um, so we just finished a batch on Cold War movies.
1: Is that it? The the mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be our that's going to be our batch conversation then with not just Cold War movies but strategic air command Cold War movies. Right. As it turns out, right? Um, not necessarily the intent when we started, but it's what it turned out to be, and it I think was very interesting. And that's what our batch conversation. Well, I
0: set you something from the um the book I was cutting up before we started, and it said that um who is it um general
1: curtis lemay
0: read the books that Failsafe safe and dr strange love were based on and he was so concerned about the effect of those books long before those movies were ever made that he started agitating to get um what is it a gathering of eagles or whatever that movie was called the only mm-hmm. other propaganda film of the time that they thought like coined as propaganda like we have spoken about how as early as the 20s, 30s, and 40s, the United States military saw the propaganda potential um in terms of just like framing our interests and things. But that piece of evidence is interesting because it shows that that they understood the power of those novels and they understood the kind of potential power for it. And that meant that they had to punch back. And it's fun to look at the comparison. It's really fun to see what they're afraid of, which are the first two movies that we looked at. Just great choice in in those two movies. And then to see that this isn't the one that they that they said was the response. We should definitely watch that. But to see a straight up propaganda response and just how limited they are, the imaginary of mm-hmm. the other argument is so vivid. Dr. Strangelove, Failsafe. They're like, oh, yeah, 60 million people could die. 40 million people could die. 20 million people could die. And this movie is like, oh, we
1: crashed. Greenland doesn't, in want, green to t- it doesn't <laughs> want to talk about that. Stuff, no, we're right? not going to want to talk idiotic. about why they exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the the, the the promo for the movie, the, the language of the movie, if you were to read the back of the box, as it were back in the day, it says something about how like a uh, uh what is what does it say? It's like a former baseball player is called back to play an increasingly important role in nuclear deterrence. But that's not ever part of the movie. So that's going to be fun. I can't wait to do this. Batch the episode.
1: increasingly. Yeah. The increasingly important role is just newer airplanes. Just marveling at the newest airplane possible. Yep. Mm, it's very frustrating. Someone's <laughs> gotta do it. Otherwise
0: those planes will roll out there and there'll be no one to marvel at them.
1: <laughs> team Sally. Team Sally. That's all I gotta say about this. Yeah, yeah Team Sally. Yeah, absolutely. I liked I liked her a lot.
0: Well good batch, Charles. I'm looking okay, forward Aaron. to the batch episode. Thanks, friend.
1: Totally. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'll see you next week. Ooh. Flight's out. Checklist completes. Redwood Soundless. A podcast about the narrative and effective politics of war movies and their productions too. Charles Horgan and Aaron Donaldson bring you a brand new podcast, The Real War Project. Dip in and out of subjects with Lauren and Sarah's irreverent points of view with the hilarious podcast, Dippers. Catch up with the week's pop culture news, as well as reviews of new movies and shows, not to mention the occasional interview with Carl, Brandon, and Biggs on Not Safe for Network. Wrestlers wrestle, but sometimes they make movies, too. This podcast lets you know how they do. Listen to Eric and Connor in all three seasons of Movies with Wrestlers. One by one, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies and some wretched ones, too, in the podcast you can't miss, A Cosmic Void.